0: Welcome to the Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. I'm your host, Scott Roberts. Stick around for inspiring real life stories of incredible resilience and achievement. Thank you for listening. Let's be inspired. Hey everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of Real Life Fitness Stories podcast. We have another great guest for you. Um, Before I introduce who has come to speak to us today, I just want to give a little thank you to everyone. We're four or five episodes in. I just want to thank you all for the feedback, um, sending people my way, sharing with friends and family. The only way this podcast can grow is with your help. So wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you could rate and review it, please, if you could share it on your socials. And now, after a few episodes, you will have an idea of where this podcast is going, who we're wanting to speak to, who we're trying to attract. So if you do know anyone with an a, a story that inspires you or has been interesting to follow, please send them my way and we'll try to get them on, on as a guest. Our next guest, who has very kindly come on, is the amazing Sorrel Lewis. Hello.
1: Hi there, hi Scott. How are you doing?
0: I'm very well. Thank you for coming on. If you just want to give a very quick introduction to yourself, please, and then we'll go from there.
1: Um, yeah, okay. I'm um, Sarah Lewis uh, Southhurst. Um, you did a podcast last week with um, with Garth, and I am Garth's wife. Um, so yeah, we've had a bit of a bit of a journey together.
0: <laughs> so. Obviously, hopefully, you've all listened to Garth's story last week. Um, as I kind of touched on, probably everything I wanted this podcast to be about. Um, a Massive, massive setback. Um, an amazing story of recovery. And that recovery can only happen with a strong team around you. And Sol was obviously part of that as Garth's girlfriend at the time and now wife. And... I suppose she's here to fill in a few blanks because obviously Garth, Garth probably doesn't know the full story of what happened and a large part of the recovery. Um, Sorrel will know that. So why don't we go straight back to it was June the first, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And you got a phone call. Yeah. Talk us through that phone call.
1: So rewind a little bit um I was um I was in the gym that morning um doing the, the workout the same workout that Garth was doing beforehand okay. Okay. so we'd done this same workout um the the week before so this was a progression and um so we you know we knew what we were doing we knew it was a tough workout it was our Saturday one which was always our, our biggest workout if you like um so I'd just just done it and then um I was going home, going to have a bit of a sleep um, while Garth did the workout, and then um, he'd take the class, and then I'd come back and and do my class. So, um, I'd gone back home. I was having a having a sleep, and I got a phone call. um, Garth Garth's gone down. You need you need to get here. You need to get to the gym. And I was just like, you know, obviously just woken up. So it was, but you know, when you can hear in somebody's voice, you know, it's um you know it's bad right you know it's bad so um I just threw some clothes on I don't even I didn't even put any shoes on I just threw some clothes on and then I I made another phone call as I got in the car because something had happened um a month or so previous to that whereby Garth had had fainted at the gym right and um so I was kind of hoping that he got back up again like he did last time you know like something had happened and 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 it was that again because we we'd been to the hospital at that time and um he'd um he'd had all the checks and they, they just assumed it was because you know um he'd not gotten a fuel or his blood pressure you know they didn't know but the results came back that he was perfectly healthy and there was nothing wrong with him you know so at, at that moment um so I was hoping that I was going to get another call and and it was that same situation he you know he's fine again it was just you know something like that but I called and it, it's not it's not it was I on the way it was like no just get here just get here so um as I arrived at the gym the ambulance was there and I walked through the door and and Gary just just grabbed me up in his in his arms and he was like sorrel this is this is this is bad. Just stay, you know, stay calm. Uh, I'm going to let you in to see him, but I don't want, you know, I want you to know that this is, this is bad. Um, and um, I went, I walked through, gone. And um, yeah, it was just a horrendous scene that the ambulance people had just arrived and there was just stuff everywhere, you know, like there was, he was lying in the middle of the floor and he was blue. And um, yeah, I um, there was, yeah, there was people around, the ambulance were just arriving. And um I, you know, they, I knew I had to be calm, you know, there was no point in being hysterical at that moment, but it was just very overwhelming, you know. And um, and I, ju- I looked, I, I said, can I stand next to him? Because I wanted to talk to him to see, you know, to see if it could go through. And um I could his eyes were just it, it yeah, it, it it wasn't, it wasn't good. And I was just telling them, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here now. You know, <laughs> don't go. You know, stay, stay with me, kind of a thing. Um, anyway, they did the um, the the shock, the defibrillator, and um, then they brought him, uh, they got him on the, the trolley or whatever, and put him in the ambulance. And I followed in the ambulance. Um, and the ambulance actually stopped twice. Twice I was following. And I didn't know this until afterwards, but um, during that time, he flatlined twice. So he died twice, whilst he was in the ambulance and they had to bring him back again. Um, they have to stop the ambulance because obviously the movement and stuff, it has to be completely still. So I'm just at the back of this ambulance following it, thinking what, what's happening, you know, I didn't have any idea. Um, and it, I didn't know that until afterwards, till I spoke to them. Um, and yeah, we got to the, to the the to the hospital. Uh, They tried to um, revive, they tried to bring him round and he sort of came up and he, I I just saw the terror in his eyes because I was in front of him and there was about, because he was a big strong man at this point. I mean, he's a big strong man anyway, but like, and he, I just saw the terror in his eyes and I'll never forget that in his eyes as he came round and they were like, no, he's going," And they put him back under and then he was in an induced coma for six days, I think it was, um, which is probably the longest six days of my entire life. Um he it I mean the ambulance man had told me that d- don't expect, you know, he said, this is this is not good. I'm not expecting this, you know, him to survive this. Okay. And then of course, yeah. And then of course you start you start Googling, you know, things, don't you? A, a natural thing. And um, you know, you're like you're out of hospital um, cardiac arrest less than seven percent chance of survival um, you know and so with all this stuff you're just like well you know it was just very dark time yeah
0: yeah um, I, I did actually do the same googling before speaking to Garth uh, uh, just the way the chat went we didn't actually get around to speaking about them numbers but like you touched on the success rate is not
1: not at all there's no, no
0: there's no work there's no way of Sugar pay is it? not good, is no, it? No. So that six-day period then what, what 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 was the hospital saying to you during that six days?
1: Well, basically saying that they there was no they had no idea of knowing what was gonna how long they were gonna when they were gonna bring them around. We didn't really get much information in that time. Um and of course he's in um is in ICU, so I, you know, you're not even allowed to be in there with him. So, you know, I think one of the hardest parts was I was allowed to go in for like an hour a day or something, and it's like, you know, his mum wants to see him as well, and other people, you know, but uh, you know, I just wanted to be with him. I just wanted to be talking to him, and 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 because you know, you you it, when somebody's in a coma, you don't know whether they can hear, whether they're listening or whatever. I didn't know wh- whether he could or not, and um, at this point, obviously. Um, I'm just, well, you, I, you don't know what's going on. So I just, just wanted to be there. So we had a familiar voice and um, speak, you know, speaking to him. And I was playing him music during that time, like his his favourite musics and playing in voice notes from his daughter and, uh, you know, like just trying to, to somehow get through to him, you know, whilst he's in that position. And I mean, we didn't even know at this point whether he had a, a, um, ability over his muscles. And he's you know whether he was going to be brain dead because of that seven percent chance of survival um you know it's a very low percentage that will go on to have a normal life again like extremely low most most people particularly after the amount of time that he was um he before he got the defibrillator um would be brain dead i mean it, it's it is a bit of a medical miracle that he isn't it really is because i mean Garth touched on the fact that I found the video, right? Yeah. Um, that was just, I mean, it's ex- oh, mind blowing. You can't even imagine. <laughs> Let's just go back to that. When
0: was it you that you found the video? When you showed up, or did you go back to the gym and find it then?
1: So, so that night they sent me home. Um, and I was like, right, I'm gonna go and collect his, I'm gonna go and collect his things. And yeah. I mean, just like you said, I literally just walked through and I just saw on the treadmill, his bloody thingy, whatever it is, filming what, and I was like, oh God, no, like, is this, uh, is it going to be on there? And of course I didn't know whether it was going to be on there or not because the chances are I wouldn't video for that long, right? I didn't know whether it was just a video clip or we'd just taken, I didn't know what it was. And I just sat there, I remember just sitting down and looking at this phone and thinking, what am I going to find on here <laughs> you know like what is this going to be um and then yeah watching it was just oh.
0: so did you what did you watch it straight away yeah yeah I just oh, right go on then what what was that like
1: oh I mean horrendous but I mean I just knew that if it was on there I mean I saw it and it I was just like oh my god it's there and it was him and he was—he was basically the, the 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 workout was walking on an incline with with um, kettlebells and a weighted vest, um, and it was um, you know various sets of of whatever. And then you just saw him, kind of go. You could see his face kind of turning, and he knew something was wrong. He turned the machine. Um, he actually didn't manage to turn it off. He turned it down, um, so it was still going, but it was just. Um, so, sort of slowed down and he he'd not got the kettlebells at this point anyway and he basically sort of knelt down on one knee um and then you could see him trying to get his and his eyes just rolled over to the back of his head and he came off and it was like it was listening, and there was heavy metal music on in the background like it was just like oh my god it was awful but I mean luckily um um the 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 owner of the gym was there because I mean basically if she hadn't been he wouldn't be here today you know so we're lucky that there was somebody there and and you how know how many times back have you watched that video it's difficult I, I probably don't like to watch it I, I can I, to start with it it was I, I watched it because I wanted to get a timeline I wanted to know exactly how long it was before he received CPR how long he was receiving CPR, how, um, how um, long before the ambulance arrived, because all this was going to give me information as about what his survival rate or is the, 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 you know, the probability of him being a normal, you know, normal functioning man again. So I knew that it, this video was, was super important information for me to be able to give to the doctors. So when he fell
0: from the treadmill, did he actually fall away from it? Because one thing I w- I've been thinking of is, obviously, if you just kind of trip on a treadmill and you're next to it, you're still getting that belt running against you. Yeah, was. Was
1: he actually away from it? It, it, it brought him off it it sort of brought him off the the treadmill the treadmill was still going and his arm was but he did come off it and then and then he was dragged but it, yeah I mean he had a weighted vest on and he was a big man and and when they found him as well she couldn't even t- you know he was too heavy to to be able to how even to start the CPR and all the rest of it luckily there were other people in the gym everybody pitched in and the biggest the biggest benefit of what happened was there was a guy and this is just an incredible story this right so there was a guy called Pepe that was um that arrived and it was his first time at the gym it was his first ever time at the gym right and he arrives and it and he sorted everybody out and he was very familiar with um CPR and all the the newest techniques right because he's his wife is a nurse in the cardiology ward, right? So his wife was the person that was treating Garth when he went in. So he was the one that, that organized everything and, and made sure um, you know, everything was being done correctly at that point. I mean, it was 22 minutes before the ambulance got there. That's a long time. And what had happened is they'd started doing CPR, but what they, they were questioning themselves about whether what that what it was, you know, which you would, it's an emergency situation. And at one point, I mean, he was getting the hymenic manoeuvre, you know, because they thought he was choking. So like there's, you know, and at that point, he's not getting CPR. So there's things like that. But I mean, who knows what you're going to do in that situation, right? It's, 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 you know I'm just thankful that everybody was there and he got the help that he did because otherwise he wouldn't be here today of course
0: yeah so let's go back to those six days when he was in a coma let's go to day six what can you remember of what happened and what was different on that day
1: so basically, I mean, there was like little things that was quite funny, like he moved his big toe, you know, and it was like he moved his toe like it was like all oh, a big celebration. So there was just very little um, uh, celebrations at one point, like he was squeezing his hand when they were telling him to and when they were asking him to. And it was like, did he squeeze his hand because they told him to or was it because was it an involuntary reaction? You know, we didn't know whether the cognitive brain was was connecting with his body yet at this point. So then once we knew that was happening, that was a huge breakthrough. And then when they decided to bring him round um, um and bring him out of the coma, um you know, he still had his tube down his throat. So he wasn't talking at this point, right? So he's back. Um, he's back, you know, when the land of the living is is awake again. But I he couldn't talk at that point. So we didn't even know whether he could talk. Um, right so then they bring him into the room but it's all these little daily things that were happening they were all huge big things at the time the progression was um was massive at the beginning you know every little day there was just things and it was ups and downs and but when they brought him into the room we were like so elated and happy that he was out of ICU but really at that point that was when the real hard part began yeah um because when they took the tube out, because um, um, he had a, he was being, he was eight, he wasn't breathing on his own at this point. So the tube wasn't for food, sorry, the tube was for breathing. That was what that was for. And then when they brought that out, um, they had to put it back in again because he, he wasn't doing it on his own. Um, so then they had another go, and the second time was successful. Um, and um, and then yeah, he wasn't making any sense like he couldn't speak he was speaking words but they were just it was gobbledygook you know like and that's when we realized shit this is them you know this isn't this isn't good um
0: he spoke a lot about not having any memory when when's the first time you realized there there wasn't any memory not just in regards to say recognizing you or the rest of the family but just
1: in general so so it was kind of it was kind of obviously apparent that there was there was huge problems there you know but i suppose i kind of never really the the, weirdly it wasn't till i brought him home that i realized the extent of what because i just assumed right i assumed once i managed to get him home because that was every step was about you know getting him it was just baby steps every day but I assumed once I got him home, he'd see our home, he'd remember stuff, things would start coming back to him and things would start going back to normal. You know, I, I, I just always believed that that would happen. So when we got home and he had no recollection of the house or, or anything, I was like, really? Like, you don't remember any of this? So we hadn't really spoken about that um, because he wasn't ready to speak about it. So, you know, he wasn't able, he wasn't, when somebody has no reason, reasoning I mean how did you speak to them it was it was
0: yeah. so, so hard just to jump in how how was his speech so he left hospital after six weeks and you took him home yeah how, how was his speech then
1: by that time his he he got um so what happened the big significant turning point was San Juan. Right. Um, so San Juan happened and it was just, I mean, the amount he spoke about it, but the amount of support that we had was absolutely overwhelming. It was just incredible. He'd, and and just to see the messages of the support of how many people, how many lives he touched and how people thought of him, you know, the the beautiful messages that were coming through and the support was just it. Uh, it was incredible. It really was. Um but, and I really believe that that's a big factor of it. I mean, positivity, I'm all about positivity, right? And I never really, you know, I always believed that he'd be okay. Even in the face of all of this, this, this doubt, this, these statistics, I just always knew he'd come back to me. I just knew he would. I didn't know, you know, like I, I it was kind of, almost like a blind positivity, you know, I didn't want to believe anything else that so I think that was it really. So.
0: Was there ever a point where he actually turned to you or the family and just said, like, who are you?
1: No, it was just apparent, you know, because he just didn't know. He wasn't able to have any understanding or recognition or reasoning. And so we were just repeating to him every day, you know, "Um, your name's Garth, Um, you know, know, I'm your girlfriend, Um, you've got a daughter, you've got, you know, you've got this, you know, this is who you are. You know, you were a personal trainer. You know, so I think part of that was why he was always um, when he when he first came out, he wanted to get back to the gym because he knew from what I told him that that was he, who he was. Yeah, so. He'd forget things. I mean, it, it, it was a bit like Groundhog Day. We we joke about things, you know. We he he watched The Gladiator. It must have been hundreds of times because that's we had a we had an iPad and it had the movie The Gladiator on it, and he just kept watching it over and over again. It really was he must have watched it, you know, dozens of times, um, which was quite fun, you know, we we can make jokes about things, you know, uh, for instance the 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 food. You know, Garth's always loved his food, and that was the only way that we could calm him down was to to drug his food and give it him. But you know, with diazepam, it was like it was literally that bad. I mean, really? the, the 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 hot because he was such a, he was confused and angry and and um wanted to escape. I mean, and at this point, he stopped listening to me. At one point, I mean, I was scared. You know, like he, he threw my mother across the room. He punched my dad. He ripped a sink off the wall. You know, like he was a caged animal, like he, with no reasoning. So there was some really hard p- parts. Uh,
0: that was actually going to be my next question because it is something he mentioned, like the frustration that it's completely understandable. Like he's lost all his memory. He has no idea what's going on. So there's just going to be all this confusion and, and anger built up. How, how was that, how was you able to handle that? Or how was it from your end?
1: Well, we basically, my dad set up a a WhatsApp group and he asked anyone who wanted to join who could um, to get involved and he set up a rotor to to help so that I always had somebody with me and I was always able to, um, you know, because it's a long time. And in Spanish hospitals, the family are responsible for looking after him. And, I mean, if I hadn't have been there, he would have literally had to have been tied to his bed and drugged. And I started to get very... um, upset with the amount of drugs that he was getting because at the beginning I could understand it because he needed that to calm him down. I mean, at some points he was still walking around and they're like, how is he still able to stand because he's had so much diazepam uh, but he was just just unstoppable he just wanted to get out of this hospital and there's people in there that are recovering from heart attacks right and he's walking in their room trying to escape out their window and like without being able to explain to him you know like it was comical almost you know but but not because at the time when you're in it it was terrifying you know but
0: so so you get him home talk us through those first few weeks that's obviously when you first realize okay there isn't much memory at all here how did those first few weeks go when you were home
1: so it was (laughs) I can only liken it right to you know when um you have a baby and everybody's there all at the beginning everybody's all there and then you take them home and then all of a sudden you realize this is real now I'm I'm on my own well that's kind of what it was (laughs) yeah like wow you know like it's it's basically he was a man child that I was that was relearning things so but he also thought that he wasn't he always thought he was better than he was which was really frustrating for me so the mental side of it was really challenging because he always thought he was fine to go out exercising he went out he told you the thing about with his sister I was just furious about that you know like uh, I just couldn't believe that he would be such an an idiot, and but in a way, that needed to happen for him to recognize,
0: yeah,
1: you know, what was going on here? So
0: there was a period how long was that period between getting him home and him going to the u k He was in the u k for a year, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, that's right. so he what? he went back at Christmas, so um, it's just after Christmas in the january. um and yeah, I mean, basically, once all this had happened so in the Spanish hospitals they were fantastic from a cardiology point of view they were absolutely brilliant you couldn't couldn't have faulted them their bedside manners not so great (laughs) but if from the terms of what they did for him it was you know the care was fantastic I mean obviously we were left to look after him in the hospital which is unusual you know that doesn't happen in England but over here it does um but but then, once you are home, it's sort of like that's it, you're on your own, and because he wasn't, the reason because his his results came back, so there was there was a possibility. There's two possibilities. One that he has there, there's evidence of of tearing and brain damage, and he but yet yeah, he could still be functioning perfectly fine. And there's another scenario where the brain spank come back comes back fine, but he would be showing signs of disabilities or brain damage right so it could be either one of them so the results didn't matter I was like well that just basically means these results don't mean anything right so um but the hardest thing as well is because he looked so healthy people don't see the damage inside inside the head so people just assuming that everything's sort of fine I guess and and it's really not (laughs) you know and it's it was just very challenging, you know, just even little things like, you know, I had to be detective about certain things, you know, that were going off in his life that I had to resolve um, without having known anything about it, you know, sort of, you know, passwords, everything, like just everything. It was just, yeah, we just had to take everything a step at a time because if you'd have looked at the whole thing as a whole, you, you just wouldn't have been able to manage it. So we just had to just bring it back do things a little bit at a time and that's the only way
0: and and that time in england obviously it helped him massively um what kind of impact did that have on on you personally
1: we needed that we needed that because he needed he was he's got a house full of girls right so Four girls, or well, five, if you can include the dog, and then him. You know, he needed to learn how to be uh, a man again. Really, you know how. And his best friend, you know, put him on a on a labouring site. I mean, what better way to learn to be one of the lads than being on a on a site like that? Originally, he was in the car, but then he went onto site, and you know, that's exactly what he needed. He needed to learn to fend for himself again, um, cook for himself again. Needed to learn to be, uh, uh, yeah, to be. Self-sufficient again, I guess. I mean, that's what it is. It's occupational therapy is 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 basically what you would get if you were in England. You'd be put on like um, you know, that's what they would do, but you don't have that over here. So his friend basically provided that for him in the best possible way. And and he came back every other weekend, you know. He still came back to see me, to see Lily, to see the girls, and um, and so we still saw a lot of him, but we needed that break, really. We needed that, um because it was just so hard, you know, and and I needed him to to come, you know, to stand on his own two feet again and not keep relying on me because it was very much like, you know, like letting go of a teenager, you know, that's what I had to do, I had to let him go so that he could come back to me, like, better developed, if you like.
0: (laughs) When he did come back every, I think you said two to three weeks. Yeah. Could you see a change in him every single time? Was there big changes? Was there any times when he, it looked like he'd regressed at all?
1: No, there was never, never any, any regretting. There was time periods, I suppose, where it just seemed to stop a little bit. But, I mean, even, even now, I mean, there was, a, there was a time frame that they gave us. And I don't even know where this time frame came from. But it was like, right, after a year what's not come back won't come back, you know, a year's as, as long as you've got. Once that year's up, then, you know, that's pretty much as much memory as he's going to get back or as much whatever. But, of course, he never got any any memories back, but he was retaining memories, yeah. um, so much better. So to, in the initially, to start with, he wasn't, and it was a real problem. And I was thinking, well, I mean, how is he ever going to hold down a job when he can't actually even remember little things, you know, then he got better and obviously he was going to, because we had the, the, the school that he was going to and, and that was helping him. And like his mathematics, for instance, was really good. And some of these brain training things, I mean, I would do some of them with him. He was better than I was. <laughs> like, what the hell? He <laughs> was like, his, his memory was, I mean, he was always, um, he always had a great memory. I mean, he's a clever guy, right? You know, he was privately educated, super intelligent, um, you know, really driven and, you know, it's just such a, it's just such a shame, you know, it really is, because he's lost his, his confidence, he's lost his life experiences, he's, it's not just memory, it's experiences, and your experiences make up you as you uh, as a person, and, you know, and he's got to rebuild all that again, so.
0: In, in regards to your relationship, obviously you're married now, what, married a year? Yeah,
1: nearly, just coming up.
0: Obviously, obviously it put a massive strain on your relationship. What how, how, what did you put in place to try and rebuild that? Apart from just being there all the time and obviously being a supportive of, of, as supportive as you've
1: been. So I, I, said, I said, I talked about this year, this year that we were given. So it got to this year this year point and I guess this was a big turning point for me because uh, up until that point I'd always held the hope that he would get his memory back and um and it got to this year and I remember I was sat in the car park in Lidl and on my Facebook memories came up and it was a picture of the two of us and I looked into his eyes on that picture and I just broke down in absolute tears and um I called my mom you know like just unable to even breathe you know like um and I finally realized that he was never going to be the Garth that I met and it just hit me all in one go you know that's when it hit me and at that point it was like right okay I'd come I'd, 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 I'd realized I'd had that realization um you know what do I still want to be here? I, st- I absolutely still want to be here. He's still absolutely the same kind, um, g- generous, loving, um, funny guy. But he's just lost his memory. So he- we can rebuild that. We can rebuild memories. And yeah, you know, I-, I had to separate him. So I was grieving for a, a period. I was grieving. OG. I call him old Garth. So I separate them as two people. That's how I've done it in my in my head. There's OG and then there's G, and um, I had to fall in love with them all again. So that's amazing, right? <laughs> you know, and me? That was beautiful, and 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 yeah, he's he's the same but different, and that, that's the only way I can explain it. He's he's the same person underneath, and and all his best qualities are still there,
0: such, such as because I I, I I kind of know Garth, but I don't. You know, obviously, in that podcast, it's the first time I've spoken to him properly. He came across very, very well, considering what he's gone through. Good sense of humour, a bit cheeky. So, <laughs> are, are they parts of OG?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely all of his best parts are still there. Definitely, you know, like he's still the same. I mean, the main thing is, I guess, because is is the memories and the confidence, and it's mainly and it. Is sharpness, you know, he's he second guesses himself, he has to think longer about things. Um, and so I guess a bit of, of the pizzazz, you know, um, but he's still, yeah, still cheeky, funny, kind, hardworking, all those the, the qualities that you want. Um, you know from the, the qualities that I fell in love with him are, are all still there just just needs to build on the confidence really I guess and that's got to come from new experiences new life experiences and exactly. um, I mean exactly. he's got he's got he's doing fantastic right I mean he's he went out he came back to Spain he got a job you know he's 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 always looking to um, provide for the family like he's just he's, he's a great guy you know and and he's just been through such a hard time and and you know I'm so I'm immeasurably proud of him (laughs) for what he's achieved.
0: And the fact that you maybe do need need in a way to build some new memories that's an exciting thing you know it's something to look forward to. Absolutely Um, yeah. Over this time we've obviously spoken about Garth's recovery what help have you got how have you dealt with it
1: Well I guess um I was in fight or flight for for quite a long while and I I wasn't really I didn't even really consider how it affected me I'd not really dealt with that and I met through chance this lady called Lindsay Chan and um she does trauma release work and um she was absolutely incredible I mean I've never had such a Powerful experiences as, as what I had with with Lindsay and with this this um, breath work. I, I've never been into that sort of stuff at all. I don't know what sort. You know, I'm not a I'm not a woo woo kind of a person. You know, I I I don't um I don't know. I I, I thought of that as being a bit a bit woo woo, but it, it's not at all. Like it's it's just breathing, and that's what it is. And it's breathing in different ways, and it's so. We had a few sessions and I mean, I have never experienced anything that powerful. My my body was still, I still had the energy in my body for like two days afterwards. Like my fingertips were still tingling. It was just like, but I was ready to release that. I was ready to release it. She said, normally people come to her and you know, it can take a couple of sessions, but I was sort of, I was there ready to sort of, um, to release that. And she sort of set me on a journey, really, I guess, whereby I started to come to terms with things because it wasn't just what happened with Garth. It was what happened around that, all of the the, the stress um, of the different things, you know, our life, life basically ended. It wasn't just Garth that had to start again. We both did, you know, and um, and it was it was hard. And I kind of. Given up on my training a little bit. I was still training, but I didn't really have a focus because my focus was all on him. So when he started getting better, and I didn't have to focus him on anymore, it was like then it was my turn to sort of think, right, well, I better, I better deal with this now. Um and yeah, so it's only really been in the last year where I've I've started getting back into my training again. And I'm um that's a big part of it for me because I kind of associated training in a weird kind of a way with what happened and I kind of fell out of love with it a little bit for a while it yeah so but I feel like I'm starting to feel like myself again because
0: you were both obviously very before it happening you were very fit you was into your competitions and just explain how what your I don't, fit, fitness life as such looked like before the accident
1: Well, I mean, we were just training for the European Championships. Um, I was doing OCR. Um, I was doing quite well in the OCR world. We've done some, um, I've been, I competed in the world championships. Um, I've done Europe's Toughest Mudder, came fifth place in Europe's Toughest Mudder, which is a um, uh, 12-hour OCR race. Um, I was a lot into more of the endurance OCR type stuff. Um, I was training it, was doing boot camps. You know, we—I was moving out of real estate. Garth was it was in doing building. I was doing real estate, and then we met and we started up doing the boot camps and the classes. And you know, we were we were loving it. It was you know, it was it was a fantastic period of our lives. You know, we were, um, you know, looking forward to the future together, and just you know, in an instant, things just change, and it's a real eye opener. You know,
0: so obviously the the time and the stress. But was there a fear around exercise at all after that, or was it just, I suppose, falling out of love with it a little bit?
1: Yeah, exactly. It wasn't really the fear of it. I was frightened for Garth, um, yeah. particularly in that initial stage, because he just didn't realise the seriousness of it, and he wasn't. You weren't able to explain it to him. He was like a stubborn teenager, um, but. Then you know once he started training it, and now I mean he's incredible. He he can he can keep um, manage his heart rate like I, I I can't keep my heart rate at that at that level for all of that time. Mine's up and down. You look at my stats, mine are like this, you know, all over the place, and his are in a perfect line. You know, but he's 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 a bit frightened of, of training harder now. But I still enjoy the competitive. I'm we used to do that together, and I missed that. I missed the, it was training together. But I'm just happy that he's healthy and that he's still able to to stay fit and all the rest of it. But we still do runs together. We'll do like steady runs together and stuff along the boardwalk, which is lovely. And so we do what we can.
0: What was the point where you was like, I, I need to get back into this, I need to start exercising, I need I need to start enjoying
1: it. I just I need a goal in my life, right? I think we all need goals. And I I think because I was always, I was so focused on him and his recovery and stuff. And then it was like, then it was focusing on the wedding and then the wedding was over and I thought, right, what do I do now? (laughs) So I I booked a high rocks competition. um, And then that was my, so then that was last year. That was the, that was the focus of last year was doing the high rocks, which was amazing. Um, Super hard, a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. and um, yeah, so um I went in. The the aim was there was a competition in the April in Malaga, and I thought, right, I'm going to go and do one in January just to see what it's all about, and then I'll try and do well in the a- in the April one in Malaga, right? And then I ended up qualifying for the World Championships on the, there.
0: So you did all right then.
1: So I did all right, yeah. And then I went to Malaga one, and I knocked um, knocked a bit of time off, about a minute, and then I, I realized if I had a training plan, right, I could. I could knock two minutes off. And if I could knock two minutes off, I would get in the top 20. That was my calculation. Anyway, I ended up knocking four minutes off my time. Um, and I still only managed the top 20. I got 18th, but that was my goal. It was to get in the top 20 um, in age category. So I was super happy with that because there's like I think there's like 50,000 competitors and one, I think 1500 um, qualified. So it's like it's big numbers, like it's a real big event. Um, well, so say, it, it has become a massive,
0: massive event. As yeah. when, when yeah. I'm on Instagram, it's all I, it's all I see anyone doing now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's for everybody, and I love that about it. I love the fact that it's the same, and everybody can have a go at it. And there's so much to it, you know. And it, it really does. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a is a hard one, but um, well, actually, it. for those
0: people that don't actually know what we're talking about. It, Explain us through what you had to do in the last event, if from what you can remember.
1: Right, so it starts off. There's um, there's eight stations, and there's a kilometer run between each station. So you start off with the um, the ski erg, um, and then you do your kilometer run and then you've got i've got I've got this in the right order i probably can't remember it
0: don't uh, worry about the order
1: <laughs> basically you've got a ski erg you've got um lunges with a with a weight you've got a uh, rowing kilometer row um you've got uh, it finishes with um 100 wall balls so that's the the finisher you've got um a burpee broad jumps in it um you know but between every exercise is a is a is a kilometer run so in my mind I was thinking the kilometer run would be almost like your recovery between each of the stations but that's not it at all because these really? guys are amazing runners and so you've got to be doing your race pace running and then going straight into a a wad that's anything between like three and five minutes of intense exercise and then going straight back into another run like it's incredibly hard it's a lot harder than i give it credit for on paper until you actually do it so yeah
0: well you've talked me out of doing one anyway Um, well what's next what's the next goal
1: so um i do want to do it i've not done an ocr race since since then so i'd like to do an ocr i had an invitation um from a friend um to do one in september Uh, in Tarifa so I think I've got that in the diary um and then we'll take it from there really um Garth wants to do another half marathon so I'll probably do one of those him as well um but yeah I need to find something I was looking at the Tough Mudder again because I love the Tough Mudders um but I need to find something really to aim at I'm definitely going to do another High Rocks um I want to try the doubles so I need to find a partner for that (laughs) but I need to have a look at um because I mean years ago Garth and I would have smashed that together I'd have loved to have done that with him but he can't really do that now but um so yeah I need to find a a partner for that
0: sounds amazing um I think that's a good place to finish it as well um do you want to share what what's your Instagram if if anyone wants to find you uh
1: supersoz pt
0: cool thank you very much for coming on um Thank you for holding it together. You nearly had me in tears a couple of times. <laughs> you nearly had me in tears two minutes into that. I thought this is going to be a long, long podcast. But <laughs> thank you for coming on. Thank you for being so honest. Um, and I think this one with Garth's has it's just been incredible. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.